welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Ben Fitzgerald. Well guys, uh, good morning. Uh, this morning I'm going to speak to you about the peace of God. You excited about that? You excited to be at peace with God? Me too. He's a good God and He loves us very, very much. I'll just chuck that in the tissue box there. And uh, I'm so thankful for Jesus and all that He's done in my life. And um, this morning, God really wants to bless you. I have a message in my heart for you concerning the new year. And uh, I'll tell you the truth. I'll always preach the truth to you, which means you'll have a probably a more balanced sermon in the sense of you'll hear some things from me that may be challenging as well. Um, but I'll also tell you about the amazing peace of God that He wants to pour out in your life. So why don't we pray, hey? Thank you, Father in heaven. <clears throat> God, thank you for your word. You know, worship is one thing, Father, but also the word of God is worship. The word of the Lord breathes, it brings life, it is alive. I thank you, Father, for your holy word, what is written in your scripture. And I pray, Father, that this year, that all of us as a church would go to a new place of focus, a new place of peace, and that we'd sense your great love and your affection over us this morning. I pray your word would pierce us, Jesus, that we'd open our heart wide, that we just wouldn't hear it like another sermon and this is just another scripture. I pray that that familiarity and that hazy thing would be gone and that we'd receive your word with great honor because you spoke it from your mouth. What, what is written is spoken from the very lips of God himself. And I pray, Father, it would bear the fruit that you intended it to. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, why don't you open your Bibles to uh, the book of 2 Timothy, please, chapter 2. Peace, peace of God. Okay, 2 Timothy, chapter 2. Verse 1, you therefore, my son, daughter as well, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. These things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who'll be able to teach others also. You therefore, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, but that he, he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. I'll read those last two again. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Nobody engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. You know, we've been placed in the army of God. Whether we like it or not, we're in an army. We're a family, but we're an army. One of the greatest revelations I've had in my life is that we are family, we're friends, we're family, but we're also an army. And that means there's rank and file. That means there's certain things that God will say to do. That means God requires us to have focus in our life. It doesn't just mean we act like family, like a, you know, a Bedouin village, although I love that. I'm kind of like a deep down hippie. If you just look at my family sitting in the second row, you'll see that we have some hippie roots. Um, <laughs> my family, we're all kind of chillers, you know, and uh, we're extreme people, but I love the kind of hippie way. That's just my way inside. But 
my tendency sometimes is I'll go there and just be led by the wind. But what God has shown me is that, Ben, sometimes the problems you're having on the inside is because you have a lack of focus. And I used to be really against, like not probably against verbally, but in my heart, someone would tell me about someone like John Maxwell and say, oh, he's got a leadership book about goal setting. And I'd be like, well, I don't need to set goals. I need to follow the spirit. I wouldn't say that audibly, but it was what was in my heart. I just want to follow the wind and kind of go where God wants me to go. And, and uh, I think my success has been, in, in a sense, that because I could follow what God would say. I'd just hear Him and just go and do that. But what I learned in my personal life, not just doing works, was my lack of personal discipline and focus is what disturbed my peace the most. And this morning, I really feel that God wants to give us a word for 2017. And the word, it's around peace, but really it's around undivided focus. It's that your focus would be sharp, that you would understand that God has placed you in this earth with destiny to make a difference, but uh, the disturbance of the enemy is still going to be there. There's still going to be all these kind of tumultuous stuff happening in your life. And and when Chelsea got up uh, just at the close of worship, uh, the Lord said to me, he said, many people in this church have hung on this year, and I'm really proud of them. He said, many of my people have hung on. Like you, you had a tough year and you hung on to God. And you said, God, I'm not giving up on you. And you just kept praising him. You kept your heart in the right place and you hung on. And he's really proud of you because he took you through trial. And because you hung on to him and you looked to him, he took you through trial. But the Lord said to me, he said, but the next year coming, they won't have to feel like they're hanging on. They'll feel like they're built on a solid rock. And that's a big difference. And let me explain what that means in the spirit. When you feel like you're hanging on, you feel like you're walking a tightrope, like it's a needle and thread kind of life. And you feel like you're good one day and then something tips you and, you, and, and it can push you emotionally or it can uh, separate you from the, the love of God, even though he's never separating from us. But it can separate your understanding that God loves you and you can begin to believe in shame. The voice of shame is never God's way of teaching you to hang on a little better. It's never his way. The voice of shame, guilt and accusation, they are the enemy's traits and the enemy's tools. God does not need to use them to get you to, to hear him. He just doesn't use that stuff. So... Uh, If he does use any kind of conviction, when he convicts you, he convicts you to a place where grace is waiting for you. Does that make sense? When God convicts you, he convicts you with this, even if it's small, there's a sense of hope in the conviction that through your conviction, I'm about to be set free. It's not conviction imprisonment. That's not God. He convicts you into a place of hope and peace. Uh, But the Lord showed me, he said, many people have held on. And you went through things like this, up and down in your emotions. I'm not talking about financially. Some of you maybe, but most of us, it was okay financially. But in your emotions, it was up and down this last year. There was many challenges relationally. I sense the Lord showed me uh, as we're in worship. Many people had relational challenges, but you held on and you kept coming to God. But God didn't create you to hold on. He created you to be built on something. And he is the rock on which every person is built. Jesus is the steadfast rock. And he wants you to be built upon his peace. The way you get built upon his peace is you focus on peace itself, him. So Jesus is perfect peace. He is life. He's actually called the Prince of Peace. That's his kingdom. His whole kingdom is built on, we sung it in that song, it's faith, hope, and love. The greatest is love, for sure. His kingdom is love. But his kingdom is actually called the Prince of Peace because love from God creates peace. 
But when you're, un, when you're divided, your focus has shifted and you're worried about relationships and you're worried about uh, a job or, or you're worried, you're just trying to hang on and you're trying to fight in your own strength. When you do that, you begin to get divided or distracted, I, I probably would say is a better word. When you do that, you begin to depart from that place of peace and rest in God, that innocent trust. And when you depart from that innocent trust, you just constantly got to run back and forward into it to try and get back to that place. God didn't create that place to, to be something to to be departed from. He never made that place of peace so that you'd run out of it and run back into it. God didn't make us that way. We've made us that way. The TV's made us that way. Human opinion has made us that way. The discipleship of mankind. But God never made us to depart from two things, His perfect peace and love and His presence. He didn't make you to depart from His presence. You can live inside the manifest presence of God every day. How do I know that? God lives in you. Wherever you go, God is. So if you're in the car and you feel like you're being rattled and shame is speaking, oh, you did this wrong and you did that wrong and you just have a, a checklist of all that you do wrong in your mind mentally, maybe you've learned to self-punish or, or to be hard on yourself. Maybe you've learned that if I'm hard on myself, I won't fall. Or if I'm hard on myself, I won't disappoint God. But it doesn't give you peace doing that. And God didn't create you for that. He created you to abide inside His strength. You can in your own strength not create peace for yourself. You just can't do it. I've met very, very wealthy individuals, very supposedly happy, have it all together individuals, they don't have peace. Without Jesus, there is no peace. But you know, many Christians, even though they're filled with Christ, live without Jesus. Isn't that strange? Do you understand what I mean by that? Like God is in you, but you might live unaware of how close he, he really is. When you live unaware of that and begin to get distracted, you begin to lose what Jesus paid blood for, which is for you to have peace with God. It's written in Romans chapter 5. It's written so many times through the New Testament. We'll have peace with God through our what? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Word of God proclaims that your covenantal inheritance is peace. So why do we get battered around so much by thoughts? Well, Jesus in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. By the way, if you would live in there for three months, your life would change. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He said that the worries and troubles and pleasures of this life, they try and crowd in, Right? They try and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. A fruitfulness does not come just by doing the right thing or going to church. Fruitfulness comes when the word of God is not choked. And the word of God is not choked when all these other things, worries and troubles are not obeyed. But when you obey them and you begin to meditate on them, peace is choked out. And then you need someone to pray for you to get re-peaced. <laughs> it's not the way. Because peace is not a prayer. Peace is a person. But the Word of God is really clear. No one who's been given to God is to be entangled with the affairs of this life. If money, if uh, relational problems, if these things become bigger on the platform of your mind and can speak a greater voice to you than the voice of Jesus, very, very quickly you'll lose the peace that God paid for. When you lose the peace He paid for, what you do is strive to get back an inheritance you already have freely. When you get that, now I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not against prayer. Me and my dad, we pray all the time. My dad prayed for me uh, last week and we had an amazing time. God spoke, we need one another. <laughs> we need each other. It's just as simple as that. It says we have the mind of Christ, not one person. We all need each other to look for Jesus in one another. But what we don't do is we don't go to church every week and get my hands laid on because I had a bad week thinking terrible thoughts. That's never going to end. That cycle will repeat itself a hundred million times unless you learn to put truth where it belongs. But if you put worry, fear, discouragement, and every other thing in front of you, and then cry out to God to take that from you, 
instead of abiding in the person of peace inside you, what you'll do is you'll think you need breakthrough, but what you really need to do is believe what you've already got. You'll think you need breakthrough from, from something, but what you need is undivided focus. If your focus is divided, your peace is divided because you're divided. Was Jesus divided from God? No, he always looked at the Father. He said, I always listen to him, always do what he says. That's the definition of, of a fullness of Christ, Christian maturity. Always listening, always doing what he says. That's the, if you want to, you could make a book. Always listen, always do. That would be the fullness of the definition of Christian maturity because you're always communing with God and he's inside you by his spirit and you're always doing the way and living the way he says. But if you, if you say you get into a relational issue and if that thing becomes a mountain in your life and you try and fight that mountain, what the enemy can do is he can entangle you with the affairs of this world and take you out of Christ. Uh, our family's had a significant, excuse me, attack in the last two weeks. And uh, that attack has been to try and destroy our peace with God. That's the only thing it's tried to do. It's tried to take our peace, which is in Christ, looking at Jesus, serving Him, keeping on doing the work. It's tried to entangle us with a battle that doesn't even belong to us. It's not our battle. I'm not supposed to stay up all night praying in tongues against some person who wrote a stupid blog. What I'm supposed to do is stay up and worship my King and give praise to the God who gave me freedom and not even entangle myself with the affairs of this silly stuff. This is not scriptural to live meditating all the time on what is wrong with life. Now people say, oh, I can't get into the presence and I can't meditate. Yes, you can. You can worry for 20 hours a day. You're a professional meditator. You're amazing at me meditation. You can meditate on the worst stuff in your life. But what you need to do is come back to the simplicity of the word and back to an undivided place. When you have your eyes on Jesus, everything in Jesus becomes yours. If you put your eyes on this world, every trouble of this life will, will come to your doorstep knocking on your door. It's not the way. So we do the right things. We worship. We say, God, I give you that. And he's, God's not opposed to that. It's even written in the Psalms. There is even complaint Psalms. There is even a place for complaint with God, not complaining at God. Be very clear about that. I've heard people come to me on a prayer line and say, well, God's done this to me. I said, no, no, he's never done that to any individual alive. God does not change his nature. He's no respecter of person. He has not wronged you. You can complain to God, but you cannot complain at God. So there is a place for processing. I'm not discounting that. You can walk on the beach and go, God, I don't get it. You can do that. You can be like David was. You can do that and, and ask God to take that. But at the very end of it, you've got to release it. You have to let it go. You can process it, let it go, and you've got to replace it with what's true. You've got to re-sharpen that arrow and, and define your focus again. And if your focus is not Jesus, if your focus is cell groups or church or your focus is learning to be a better preacher even, if your focus is some other thing, business, whatever, apart from God, and that thing begins to speak a louder voice to you than Jesus, then no longer is it Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and all things will be added to you. It's seek part of the kingdom of God. And that's why you only have partial additives of what's good. You only have part of what's good because it's not first Him. It's got to be Jesus first, Jesus second, Jesus third, and all things get added in that place. I don't go to work and, and, and take, like I'm not going to, I'm not getting out of the bed in the morning, lifting my head off a pillow for a job. I'm lifting my head off the pillow for Jesus. Everything we do has to be with a central focus and our eyes fixed on God, and it's all got to be for Jesus. You don't go to work because I'm just going to work to make money. I'm not serving a little coin or a little note or a Bitcoin even. I'm not serving anything except Jesus Christ. 
And that's the way, and that's how God fashions and disciples us. But we can get very easily rocked, very easily shaken by relationship, by anything that speaks louder in our ear, by addiction, by whatever it might be. You know, uh, I was addicted to sin for so many years. And you know what I realized? I gave sin a platform to speak to me. I gave sin a voice. I gave it power. I spoke power into it. I would say, this is too hard. And sin, good job. Thank you very much for building another wall around this house that I'm living in with you. Oh, you don't understand. Correct, another brick on the house. Oh, I went through so many bad things as a kid. Another brick on the house. Listen, there is no one who went through anything worse, nobody alive, who went through what Jesus went through. We have no idea the kind of rejection that he went through. From man, and then God himself had to, we didn't reject him, but he turned from him for a moment because of sin itself. If you knew what it was like to be face to face with God with no separation and then was separated from God. It would be the worst thing in the world. I had a moment where I thought I was separated from God and I cried out to the beach, on the beach. I mean, I screamed for hours. I thought that God had left me and I screamed in this agony like a child. Uh, I heard about Jack Coe's story the other day where his mother left him at an orphanage at three, uh, three no, six years old and uh, she left him there. His dad had already died. And she left him at the orphanage and he said he cried for three hours just sitting there weeping, six-year-old boy, as he watched her walk away. She'd already walked, she'd gone, got in the car and left. But he cried for three hours in agony because there was a yearning, because that, that relationship between them, there was a breaking of it, a separation. Can you imagine what it was like for Jesus to even be separated for a moment on our behalf, but he never turned from God? He never shifted his focus. He didn't go, okay, well, I'll get off this cross and get these nails out because God let go of me. I'm going to let go of him. He never. He knew God was faithful. He'd been enlisted into this thing to be focused. And this coming year in 2018, the Lord said there's going to be great challenges for the church in Oz. He told me that. And uh, it's going to be good. But next to the challenges, I could feel this burning fire of excitement, almost like I can sense this like holy, dramatic, like crazy explosion of grace and hunger all across Australia through, through his people, like hunger, like our nation's going to come to God. Hunger, deep conviction for souls, deep conviction for prayer. There's going to be so much happening this year. You're going to see on Facebook another prayer meeting, another, another meeting, people preaching out loud. You're going to see testimonies. My sister got saved. You're going to see more in Australia this year on, on, on social media in different places, hearing testimonies in churches of what God is doing. You're going to see so much more, but it won't come without its challenges. So the challenges will be there. So what's our response? Well, our response is like Jesus' response. Did he ever take his eyes off God? Mm -mm. Did he ever sit with Peter and go, oh, you know, Pete, whoops, I'm butting myself. You know, Pete, I really love uh, teaching every day and it's amazing out here. I love it, especially by the sea. My boats are my favorite. That's why I walk on the ocean. But you know, Pete, I'm just so tired of James. He's my brother and he still doubts me. I don't know how I'm going to do this because I don't feel my brother loves me. Did he ever speak like that? Did he go, Peter, you have no idea. You need to honor me better. You don't know how to fill my love tank, Peter. Did Jesus ever speak that way? Did Paul ever speak that way? Did Paul ever go, Barnabas? You know, when you're Barnabas, when I was being beaten up, all you can think about is let's bring John Mark. You just got your own little agenda and I'm being beaten up. You didn't fill my love tank, Barnabas. Paul ever talked that way? Did any of the disciples ever speak that way? 
Did any of them ever speak against people? No. One of my friends, Brother Ewan, I'm privileged to even be a friend of this guy. He's this tall, five foot nothing. He emanates such a glory of God. I think I've met maybe three people in my 15 years of knowing Jesus who've had such a presence of God on them. You, you can be near him and you can feel God all upon the man. This man was in prison for 30 years, beaten, put in a hole, nine, uh, sorry, um, four by four feet wide and long. And he was underground in a hole for 90 days. Four feet. He couldn't even stand up. He had to crawl and be on his side like that in his body. And you know what his son told me? He goes, my papa, very, very like Christ man. And, and, and he said, my papa, very strange man, always smiling all the time, always joyful all the time. Never said one negative word against the Chinese people. Never since said one negative word to me as his son against the Chinese government, against the prisoners. Never said one word. What did he do then, Isaac? What did he do? What did your dad do? And I can see him right here as we're talking because he can't speak English. I can't speak Chinese. But he's right there. He lives near me in Germany. A couple of hours drive away. I go and see him regularly. He's a beautiful friend. He prays for me every time he's there. He gets down on his knees and he drags me. He grabs my bags. He, he massages my shoulders. He's the servant of all because he's focused. Let me explain what I mean by that. Every time we talk and his son translates, it's Jesus. Every time he's, how are you? Good, because of Jesus. Every time we speak, it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He doesn't say, I'm going through the hardest time this year because I'm remembering all of my wounds. I have a sore hip from where I was beaten a hundred times and life sucks. He never speaks that way. His son told me he's never, ever heard his father speak a negative word against anybody ever in his life. And he was beaten in prison for 30 years for the gospel. And he's got the biggest smile on his face every time you see him. He goes, ah, Benjamin, ah, like he's, he's so full of God. And I was like, how can somebody be this way in the midst of adversity? Focus. Jesus is his A plan, his B plan, his C plan. It's just Jesus. Whatever you see in me, so do. Paul said, whatever you see of Christ in me, just live that way. He's focused. He's not negative. He's not against people. He doesn't have his swords drawn trying to fight with Christians. He's not about that. He's about trying to be a Christian to everybody, to be Christian. So you know what he said to me? Isaac said, my father, he goes, he tried to win the soldiers instead of fighting them. And he did. He won many of them to Christ. See, your peace, the definition of your peace is in abiding and it's in the focus of Jesus. If you focus on anything else, I know kids can be stressful. I know it can be stressful to have stuff can be tumultuous in families. I think Jesus kind of likes that. I'm not saying that God's sitting there going, let it all just be quiet. And everybody sits down and let's have a little quiet time. Jesus hung out with a bunch of ruffians, man. He hung out with 12 dudes like, Peter, get over it. Like if you could Australian translate the 12 disciples, they were rough people. No, I'm serious. They weren't like, oh, oh, blessed father. They weren't those people. Jesus hung with the ruffians. There's a song by Larry Norman from 1978. He hung with a bunch of ruffians. It's, it's the truth. And he did tricks with fish and bread. That's the song. Jesus, Jesus hung with ruffians, man. But it didn't disturb him, did it? He didn't go, you stupid backbiters. Just shut your mouth, please. Jesus never had an outburst of wrath, which is written in the book of Titus. Don't have any outbursts of wrath. He had peace. God this year wants you to have peace. Turn to the book of John 14, please. I'll pray for you in a second. This is a shorter service today, so you can go home and complain and get angry about the year and go to God. Do, you got the permission this morning to do the, the walk of complaint with the Lord. Go to a beach, go to Frank's. Imagine if we saw someone saw like 20 Christians, they're walking down the beach. Oh God, what's he? You know, imagine that. Someone walking their dog. What's the deal? Everyone's, who's, who are they talking to? There's somebody in the sky up there. 
It's a new form of meditation. John 14, please. This scripture, um, I pray that maybe you'd consider putting this on your fridge this year. Um, you know, the, the I don't, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, but one statement in Star Wars, I, I remember, you'll remember it as well. There's two actually, but one is um, the force be with you, right? Everyone knows that one. But this one, there's a disturbance in the force. I sometimes can sense a disturbance in my spirit that is not from God. And it's certainly not from me. It's something I'm believing. It's not the Lord trying to disturb my peace and trying to get me to pray harder. It's not Him doing that. He doesn't motivate that way. He motivates through hunger. It's different. It's just not the same. Sometimes He'll be hard on you, be correct you and stuff, but He does not motivate you through condemnation. He doesn't go, you stupid person, you just cannot pray. He said to Peter, can't you watch an hour? He asked him a question, but He didn't say, Peter, you fool. You destroyed your life, Peter. You you're a failure, you never pray enough. He didn't say that. He goes, can't you just watch an hour? But that was in the hardest, most difficult moment of Jesus' life. You don't see him saying that the rest of the, the Word of God. You don't see hardly ever do you see him going, listen, Peter, you haven't prayed enough. Can one of you guys get a good meal? You never see any of those things. Jesus does not talk that way harshly to his disciples often. He talks straightforward. He talks very narrow, deny everything, follow me. But he never talks in a way that's bitter or harsh. He doesn't disciple us that way. But what happens to me sometimes is I'll get a disturbance in my spirit and I'll be driving or, or just trying to pray or come to God, but something in me will resist Him. And I know what it is. It's shame. It's me feeling like I'm not doing enough or it's like this thing, I just have to get my head above water to be with you and to be in you and abide in you. And it always is focused on what I'm doing. It's never focused on who I am in Christ. And if it's focused only on what I'm doing, not who I am in Jesus... I can tell you most of the time, it is not from Him. Because it drives me away, it makes me take two steps back and then strive to a place that Jesus, through His blood, opened the veil for me to have. So when you feel a disturbance in your spirit, maybe some other thing like shame or a relational issue or family issue is speaking louder to you than the voice of God. And this year coming in 2018, you're going to need peace for two reasons. You're going to need it because the enemy's going to attack us as a church, not this church, but in general, he's going to keep trying to do that. And uh, if people say, no, he's not, I, I, don't, I renounce that attack. Okay, fair enough, renounce it. But uh, he attacked everybody, Jesus included. He attacks the church so that he can get us to a place where we're, we're feeling crippled and we're engaged in a warfare that's not even ours to, to be engaged with. But this year, I can sense such great passion and such excitement and such opportunity that you're also going to need peace to know which one is God to choose. Does that make sense? You're going to need peace to know, oh, that's not me. That's shame talking again. Uh, me waking up in the morning feeling all of a sudden co condemned straight away when I wake up. That is not from my father. And you're just able to sit there and go, thanks, Dad. Stretch your arms out in the bed. I love you, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit, as Benny Hinn said. Good morning, great King. You're able to do that because of the residence of peace. But also all the opportunities. Oh, this is happening. This is happening. All those amazing opportunities. You're going to need peace as a bearing of choosing which one is good and which one is God. In a good way, I mean. But this verse, I think if you wrote this on your fridge and looked at this all year, it would change your life forever. It may even change your life if you just spent one 20-minute time sitting before God and meditating on this. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you. I'm just going to say this slowly. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you.
How much peace does Jesus have? Let, the, let it sink deep in your heart. Peace I leave with you. Here's a gift. Here's my, here, here it is. Out of me, my peace, the way I am, the way I feel inside, Jesus, the way I perceive myself, I give that to you. Oh, that is phenomenal. My peace I give to you. There is no condemnation in Jesus. He's not worried about whether he's doing the will of God or not. His eyes are in the right place and his heart is filled with immeasurable peace. You can batter him with words, you can put him in a storm, he doesn't change. Peace. Your covenantal inheritance is not a peace, it is his peace. Then he says, it's not as the world gives, because the world's peace is conditional on situations. The world's peace is conditional on fluctuating stock markets. The world's peace is conditional on the car you have or the, the self-image you've created, that, whether it's standing or crashing. Do not let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Okay, I'll say it one more time. Just close your eyes for a second. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, the revelation of this would hit us all. Seriously, think about this. My, as if this were Jesus saying this to you, hello, friend, I have a gift for you today. My personal way of life, my peace in my heart, I give it straight to you. Receive it. It's yours. And it doesn't come and it doesn't come and go. It comes and it abides. My peace is yours. Just receive it, man. I find it difficult to receive from God. I don't know about you, but I do often because shame has talked to me for years. That's not God. If I said to a kid up here, I have a free, huge, massive block of chocolate for you, there's going to be a, every kid here is a genius at receiving. The quickest receivers in here are children. If I said to Esther here, Esther, Uncle Benny has $5 for you, she'll be up here within two seconds. She will not she will not say, am I worthy of this? She will not hear a voice of shame saying, I can't take that. She'll take it. I know because I had chocolate here two weeks ago. They took it. I had a basket here. Someone gave me a basket of chocolate. Daniel's kids took it. Chelsea's kids, they took the whole thing home. And uh, praise God, I had another individual in this church who was generous also, who maybe saw my plight and, uh, and they gave me a box of celebrations, Cadbury celebrations. 
So what would it mean to the church if the whole church said, okay, I have the peace of Jesus literally inside me daily? What would that mean to the church and what would that mean to the world? That would mean at your workplace when everyone's like, oh, we didn't get the sales target and someone's yelling and you don't understand, the computer shut down and you're just like, what should we do? And then bang, the wisdom of God comes out of you. We should do this. All of a sudden people are in like tears. You see that woman in the back corner. I found out my husband's cheating on me and you're there. Peace comes with you. I have uh, a personal friend and, and someone who I greatly look up to, um, Bill Johnson. He's, he, you know, like this man is really interesting guy. But I've seen him with people with demons, like, I mean, manifesting, screaming demons. He'll walk over near them and he carries resident peace. Resident. Like he'll walk near them and when he gets near them, I've seen him with one woman. She was screaming, manifesting big time. And he went near her, grabbed her hand, he kissed her on the forehead and just like it shut the whole thing down. It's, it's a strange thing. I, I've never met anybody with this, like a gift of peace, kind of. It's not in the Word, but I wouldn't say it as a gift. He's taken what that Scripture says, that promise of Jesus, literally. When he lives, the way he walks through life, when tumultuous things happen, he's at peace. When great things of God happen, I was there when the glory of God came down. I was there in the meeting seven times. I've heard people say, oh, no, it wasn't true and all this stuff, rubbish. I was there, I had a black shirt on, and it was covered in gold after that meeting. I I don't care what anybody says. I saw a cloud move through physically with my eyes. Shekinah glory of God moved through Bethel Church seven times. I was there. But Bill was, everybody was like this. I was like this. Yes! I was jumping. Everybody was jumping. All the young students, like we're all students, you know? So we're like, we're crazy. Everyone's got their phone out. It's crazy. But Bill was like this. Peace. Even with the greatest excitement, peace still. Even with the greatest tumultuous situation, peace still. It's the residence of Jesus. Now that's a human being, Bill. If he can have that, so can you. But you can even have maybe in a greater measure. I don't know. It's not about who's greater and who's not. But what I'm saying to you is this scripture is to be taken 100% literally. Because let me tell you something. You're an amazing person of faith. You are a woman and a man of faith. If you don't think you are, I can prove it in five seconds. You're a person of faith and you're a person of declaration. Because when the enemy fires darts at you or situations confront you and try and trouble you and control your life, you declare it. You have faith in them. I've watched people have so much faith in worry. I personally have had so many prayer meetings with me and God and the prayer meeting was motivated by faith in the devil. By faith in fear, by faith in some other thing. Oh God, this fear and ah, and I was just afraid. And I was motivated by my faith in fear. Every Christian has faith. It's just a matter of where you place it. People say, oh, I struggle to believe God. No, you believe. You don't struggle to believe. You struggle to receive from God. It's not a belief situation. It's a receiving situation. You think that you're worse than you are. You think you're not deserving of the peace. You think you're not deserving of the blessing. You'll never be a good this. You'll never be a good that. Because it's found in your tongue. And we eat the fruit thereof. Our life is filled with what we're saying about ourselves. If we don't think it is, then we're wrong. Our mind thinks somewhere between 8,000 to 10,000 declarations about who we are a day. We're telling ourselves all day who we are, who we're not. Imagine if we just put our eyes on Jesus. Wowzers. We'd tell ourselves who we are. I am yours. We'd sing it with great confidence. You know what I do when I get the voice of shame now? I go, ha, 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 like that really weird. Sounds mega weird. I do, like, I go, that is not my God. Ha. 
I go, oh, you reminded me of a sin 15 years ago. Ah, that's washed under the blood. You keep dabbling in your little computer files of sin and I'm going to keep worshiping God. Oh, it's not going to work, Awakening Street. The stadium won't be filled. Ha, ha, it's not my stadium. It's not my job to fill it. Shut your mouth. Ha. I don't listen to the voice of shame. And if it becomes really impregnating, if it gets in my head, I go to someone and I go, listen to me. My head's filled with a lie. Let's pray together. But it's filled with a lie. I don't do this. Let's build a house around this. Can I process this with you? It's a, I just feel this stuff. I feel it's real. It's real. Because I feel it. This must be real. Because I feel it. That guy doesn't like me. I can tell that girl hates me. Well, how do you know? Because I feel it. Then you have great faith. You have spectacular faith. You've put faith in your feelings and it's created a reality. Why don't you put faith in the truth that is already real and it will create that heavenly reality of your life, which is the peace of God that passes understanding. Let me tell you something. God wants for us as a church in 2018 to be filled with supernatural peace, to be filled with peace. Jess was filled with peace with a baby girl. Alex, they worship God, the peace of the Lord. Might have been tumultuous. Might have been some emotions attached because of the compassion and the love of a family and the love of a mother for a daughter, but she believed God. This scripture is for you this year. Peace I leave with you. My peace. I personally, I'll amplify it for you. Amplified Ben's Bible. I personally, unequivocally, without reproach, give it to you. It's yours. My peace. Now you might say, well, Ben, what if they have sin? Sin doesn't create peace. They need to repent of sin. They can't have all the blessings of God if they have sin in their life. True. But I've met people who are very, very sinful, like super bad sinful. I was in a church recently and the lady came to me and she said, I want a word from God. I said, I'll have to check the mail. I don't have one. And uh, she said, oh, please, you know. So I said, I believe God's doing something in relationships. And she said, yes, that's from God. Thank you so much because I wanted a word this morning so I can divorce my husband. I said, whoa, back up. I said, that's not what I meant. She goes, no, 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 it was speaking right to, we're having a huge relational problem. It's massive. It's a really bad, bad, terrible problem. And she said, and anyway, I found another man. I'm sleeping with him anyway. I said, excuse me? And she said, she goes, yeah. She goes, it's, it's fine though, because my husband isn't willing to reconcile. And I got mad, man. I felt this fury of God kind of feeling. And I, and I said, uh, I said, what are you doing? And she was the leader of the prayer team. I said, what are you doing? I said, where is your husband? Is he at home? She goes, no, he's right over there at church, at the church with her. And I said, get here, come here. And, he's, and then all of a sudden, they're starting to talk like this. Oh, you don't understand. He goes, she has another man. I said, well, what about you? He goes, I have another woman, proud of it almost. I said, this is disgusting. I said, do you realize your soul's in jeopardy of eternity? I said, do you realize you could go to hell? I said, you don't know where your eternity is. And I can tell both of you are troubled. You're full of darkness. And I said, do you want to die? Do you want to go to hell? Do you want your testimony to be that? Or do you want it to be mercy? And the woman, trembling, like the Spirit of God, when I said those words, the Lord jumped on those words and he cut her to the heart. And she fell on her face and she starts to manifest a demon. And I just put my hand on her head and I just said, get out of her spirit of lust. It came out of her instantly. She goes, I don't want to go to hell. The spirit of conviction hit him as he watched that. Same thing. Both of them split up with the people. They remarried. They reconciled. But let me, show, let me tell you the, the weirdest thing that happened. After she got up off the ground and they hugged each other and they repented before God, this peace came. I couldn't believe it. I was like, how can you be so kind? 
how can you be so so nice? Like, what is it in you, God, that wants to be like this? Like, what is it in your heart that has to, like, why can't you just kill him? You know, why can't you, like, what is, why can't you, you know what I mean? Like, why did you, why were you so kind to me when I looked at porn? Why did you want to draw me like this? What is it about you, God, that wanted to be so kind to us as humans? That's right. He loves us. And you know what he loves? He loves to show the glory of who he is by giving himself freely when we've given ourselves to trash. He loves to show I'm bigger than your sin and I'm better than you think. And you think you're unworthy, but in a second, I can forgive your sin. In a second, I can take away what troubles you. In a second, I can fill your heart with the reality of the peace of who I am. And when you see that peace and you taste it, you're like, I'm done. I'm done with sin. See your sin. I'm, I'm for you, Jesus. That's our king. So there's not, if, even if you're in sin in here, just get right with God. Make it right with the Lord. Say, I'm done with this. Done with the games. Come to the Lord. Give everything to the Lord. You don't have to live anymore in a tumultuous heart, in a heart that is up and down, that is emotionally unstable. I want to declare something of you, over you, and then I'm going to pray. This is a declaration I make almost every morning. Uh, I want to declare it over you, and then we're going to pray. And, uh, and then you're going to have an amazing New Year's Eve with some new declarations, but God's peace, John 14, 27. This is yours this year. We're going to see a huge harvest, I believe, in 100,000 souls being saved. Every one of us has our, has our uh, thing set to 7 p.m. every day. Hundreds of people around Australia right now praying at 7 p.m. We get pictures of families holding hands. 7 p.m., they're saying Australia for Jesus. It's so cool. Home groups, uh, people out to dinner even are praying. They go for walks and they pray 7 p.m. every day. Phones are set, alarms are set daily pastors are doing it this morning. I, I spoke with a pastor yesterday. He's putting it on the screen, showing his whole church, again, another church, saying we're going to pray every day, 7 p.m. for our nation to come back to God. We believe for 100,000 souls in 2018, there is going to be such fire and such amazing stuff. Um, but I, I want you to know that personalized, one-on-one peace from Jesus is your inheritance this year. At the same time, you're going to have so much passion and fire because peace helps you hear what you're called for. Let me explain what I mean. When you're in shame, where you're, you're in a troubled mind, you cannot hear God. You, can, might, you might hear Him, but you're troubled in hearing Him, and you have a lot of self-doubt. Was that God? Because you don't feel right. If your heart condemns yourself, you can't come boldly to the throne of grace. But if your heart does not condemn itself, if you know God is bigger than this condemnation thought, I can come before God because of His righteous blood. If I've sinned, I need to repent. I need to get it right with the Lord. But God wants you to be mercy. He wants to show mercy. He doesn't want to judge you. He didn't even want to judge those adulterers. He wanted to show mercy to them and restore their marriage. What a testimony they'll have, hey, when they get to heaven, holding their hands together like this into heaven, when they get into heaven and they see Jesus and he goes, welcome home, daughter. What a testimony. What kind of woman will she be? She'll throw herself at Jesus. I can't believe you let me come. I can't believe you've forgiven me. I'm really white as snow. Yes. You mean there's none of that adultery that I did? It was so shameful, so disgusting. Is it really gone? It is gone, beautiful woman. Come to me. Same with the woman at the well. Same with the woman who was to be stoned. Let me pray and declare this over your life, and then we're going to pray. This is a declaration I make almost daily. Been a bit slack the last month because I've just been eating meat pies and things and I, haven't, I kind of tried to have a month off, which doesn't really work for me. Yesterday, I was preaching out loud in the Dandenong Mall. That was a lot of fun. In the, uh, sorry, not Dandenong Mall, in the uh, Dandenong Market. Hundred, uh, sorry, 50 nations, they say, at one time. And I got up on the crates and started just 
just went for it. It was fun. It was fun. I like that stuff. I have to keep myself sharp and raw, you know, like can't get too professional. So for me, God says to me silly stuff like stand up on the plane and preach. And he, he has me on this constant journey of destroying the fear of man. Because who cares what man thinks? Care what God thinks first, then man second. Okay, you ready? Declare this over you now. Uh, if I can find it. Problem is I have seven billion pictures in here. Uh, I'm so sorry, guys. Just uh, may his peace be with you while you wait. <laughs> I might not even find it. But even if I don't, I'll declare, I'll just make it up. I know most of it anyway. <clears throat> Too many things at once, eh? I should have snapshotted it and brought it to the forefront. Okay, I can't find it. So this is what I basically say in the mornings. I'll get up and I'll say this. I go, I thank you, Father. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And I declare this over you. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Your old unrenewed self was nailed to the cross with him in order that your body, which was the instrument of sin, is made ineffective and inactive for evil. I declare you are no longer a slave of sin. You're a slave of righteousness. You are not a slave of fear. You're a slave of God's peace. I declare over you, I declare you will be emotionally stable. I declare that over myself. I'll be emotionally stable. That's a big one for me because I can be up and down like the wind, man. I can be so back and forth. I declare over you, you will be emotionally stable. You will abide in the love of God and you'll abide in His peace. The Word of God says that you are new, which means old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Some of the things that happened in 2017, I declare over you, you will let them pass away. You will not drag them and old memories and old thoughts and does that person still not like me? You won't drag little fiery darts into 2018. You'll start anew and you'll start free of those little arrows in the back of your thoughts. I break that in the name of Jesus and I command what is ailing your peace, what is stealing your peace. Jesus commanded us, do not worry about tomorrow. Today has enough stuff to deal with, man. Like, don't worry. I pray that any meditation or any cycles of thinking, even in your mind, that God would supernaturally even heal the cortex of your mind, that He'd heal the paths and neural paths in your brain to begin to think through the mind of Christ and through peace. I pray that no matter what situation comes up upon your doorstep, that you'll answer the door filled with the peace of God and the authority of the name of Jesus. I pray that no matter what relational conflict comes, that you'll answer that relational conflict because you want reconciliation and peace, not for destruction and tearing apart. I pray in the name of Jesus, no matter what financial situation comes, that you'll believe that God has never let the righteous be forsaken or His seed beg bread, never one person. Never one righteous person in history nor in the future will ever be forsaken. Never. God cannot do it because He promised He won't. He cannot do it. Cannot forsake you. Didn't forsake Job. Job was even restored uh, double like what he had before. So you're meant to be restored. You're meant to be blessed. I pray you would be. But most of all, Father, I ask you that we would have as a church a resident peace to know what is your voice, what is your will, and what is not. And I pray against a voice of shame. I pray against a voice of shame that constantly has that little niggling. You're not doing enough. You didn't do that right. You haven't done this. Constant little niggling. That is not the discipleship of your father. He's not beating you and punishing you, crushing you to the ground so you see how disgusting you are so that you can really then believe that God can use you. No, 
He's trying to lift you up and say, listen, my righteousness, my strength, my grace will fight this for you and in you. And I pray that over your life, that this peace would be with you. And I want to say this like the Catholic priests do. I want to say this, but from Jesus, I pray, Father, you'd speak this over their heart. Peace be with you. Because Jesus said it first, not a priest. Peace be with you. Maybe we should start answering around here and also with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with your heart. Father, I thank you. I pray that we'd come to that revelation. I pray that you'd open the eyes of our understanding, that we would come to the revelation. Yes, you're seated on the throne, but your spirit is resident inside us. Holy Spirit, take full residence. Take full captivity of our thoughts, Lord. Come into our thinking, that we might think holy, pure, free, alive, that we wouldn't think with a double mind, that we wouldn't try and kind of sum people up when we look at them in the eyes. We wouldn't do that. I pray an end to that unrighteous judgment. We're summing everybody up. We're just doing that because we don't feel like we're right ourselves. That's so silly. We're doing that because we're trying to find something to disqualify somebody else to raise us up. We don't get strength by putting others down. We get strength by listening to who we are in you. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you for the 100,000 souls. We ask you that Australia would be saved. We pray that this year, even though there might be trials, we pray that we'd stay the course really well. But we pray even in the trial, we'd sleep in the boat. We're knowing that you're the one in charge of these storms. You have power over these storms. We'll take authority over them, but we'll be asleep. We'll only take authority when it's necessary. We won't just start rebuking every left, right, and center thing. Not every battle is ours. God, we pray that we would look at Jesus always. Look at Jesus in you. Let him take over. Thank you, Father. It is written, there is no fear in love. Fear involves torment, punishment. God is not trying to punish you. God does not have a big whacking stick ready just to destroy your life. He's looking to put any form of judgment away and create a path of mercy for you to come to Him. If you're in this room today and you have sin in your life, you've backslidden from God or you've walked away from Him, the only thing Jesus wants to do this morning is show you mercy. God does not want to show you judgment. Although there is consequences of sin and if people keep going down the wrong path, God will warn people and say, hey, that's not my road and if you go down that, something terrible could happen. But God is not trying to guilt you into repentance. His arms are open to you. If you have sin in your life, if you're a backslidden, if you're in adultery, if you're uh, in porn, all this stuff, if you're lying, if you're cheating yourself, even if you just hate yourself and you're like, I'm, I don't believe in God, I believe in my thoughts and you feel like you've kind of wronged God by trusting in evil thoughts against yourself. I pray for you this morning that you would have the courage to get right with God and you'd stop putting off what God eternally planned for your life. If you walk according to what you were never created for, it will always be an up and down, back and forth, double-minded, twisted thinking, no sleep, no peace, no rest life. If you walk in the will that God made you for, it will be so blessed, you'll just be looking back going, I cannot believe that God has done this for me. That's how I feel every day. I can't believe God uses me can't believe I even get to be a minister, but it's a testimony of His tremendous mercy. I pray that mercy over you, and when the prayer team comes up here, if you need to be right with God, get right with Him. Don't waste any more time. Father, I thank You. I bless You into 2018. This will be a year of the greatest passion of your life. Passion and fire. You'll have the zeal and passion of God. You'll wake up in the morning like, woohoo, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You'll live Romans 116. You'll live different this year. But most of all, you'll walk around with the dove on your shoulder and the dove in your heart. Great, great peace from Jesus Christ.
thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this one or for other information, check out our website at firechurch.com.au. Right.